0: With the understanding that we're coming from the Word of God. I will give you a disclaimer at the front end. I am not a professional, even having gone to college and have a degree, all that kind of stuff. I'm not a professional in the Word of God still. I do not know everything about society. I know I'm a people person. You guys all know that. But I don't know everything about everybody's lives because I haven't walked in everybody's shoes. You picking up what I'm putting down. It's important for us to personalize this message, because what we're talking about is very personal, okay? And you will find somebody, if not just yourself alone, that these types of topics that we're going to talk about, it affects them in one way or the other, okay? So we're going to come from a biblical perspective, but also from the perspective that we are seeking to understand the society that we live in and how we can make a difference as we sit across the table from them and love on them, that them may even be yourself, okay? Not a negative connotation there, all right? It might even be you. Does that sound good? So today we have...
1: uh Chi Alpha leader, Jordan Goody. Hey, Jordan. Jordan. On our panel. And we also have our works. wonderful pastor, Pastor Justin. Justin. Hi. I love the first time here. Love first this place. Here. Look forward to hearing what these guys have to say today. Okay. So jumping right into it. First question, right off the bat, deals with sex and sexual immorality. What? Yeah. We're
0: talking about sex? Yes, we are. Oh, my gosh.
1: If there's any kids in
0: here, but for reals, if there's anybody, that, parents, if you have any kiddos in here, this might be too mature for them, just, just if you haven't talked about this yet, or this is the first time they're talking about this, is good, because we'll be real with it. Um, it's like telling everybody that, is there any kids in here? Santa's not real. You know what I mean? I've done that before. That was fun in youth group. I told the kids that Santa wasn't real, and this girl still believed that he was. So continuing on. Yeah. All right, first Bursts question. Burst that bubble.
1: Shh, Justin, Shh. Yes, Father. First question. Can we please talk about sexual immorality, specifically like addictions to porn and other addictions regarding sex?
0: Jordan, are you starting?
1: I'm going to have you take the lead, Justin.
0: Okay. Um, Can we please talk about sexual immorality? All right. Of course, that that header topic there is addictions to porn. But um, can we be real that... um, Sex and sexual problems have been around since the beginning of time, okay? Um, In the beginning, God created man, and he also created woman. And then also, you know, sin crept into this world, and uh, they were deceived, okay, which is a big word, deception. And from the very beginning, sexual immorality began to perpetuate. Because what happened was the enemy, you know, he's good at details. He got inside those details, and he said, did God really say, remember that whole thing, And he he got into those details, and then this problem of sexual immorality began. And what we like to think is that, oh, it's just a current issue. It's just been in the last hundred years that it's been so... No, it's been since the beginning. And I think it's so important for us to understand, number one, that sexual problems have been around since the beginning. Can everybody agree with me on that? This is not a new cultural phenomenon, okay? This is something that's been around forever, and it's been a struggle uh, with folks from the beginning. So when we talk about sexual immorality... And, and I like, actually, that we're starting to talk about, first, talking about something like porn. Because I think it's important for us also to understand that since the beginning, these problems have been here. And uh, since the beginning, it's been both male and female. You know what I mean by that? A lot of folks think that, that pornography is only a problem with guys. And that, that guys are the ones that struggle with this. Well, the thing is, it goes both ways on this. It's not something that is gender-specific. When it comes to, to issues with pornography, there's people that are married that watch it together to spruce things up. And it's like, what? Okay, this is, this is what is happening within our society. And what's important is that we have a scriptural basis to come from so that we know that we don't fall prey to this stuff. I think it's so important also because I grew up in a church and may have, you guys may have grown up in the same kind of thing in a, in a home even where they talked about sexual things as if they were bad. Anybody understand that? That was your reality? I remember growing up, it's like, sex, we don't talk about that. Mm-mm. You, you mean you get pregnant if you hold hands? You know that, right? You know, <laughs> if you wink at somebody, you just made out with them. And it's like, <laughs> wow, you know. But like I've told my son already, and this is what I want us to make sure we, we kind of come with this understanding uh, within our, our understanding of, of sexual immorality and sex as well. When we started to talk over a year ago now, he's 11. He'll be 12 in February. But we started to talk over a year ago about pornography. We started to talk about sex and all these things because I wanted my son to understand that things are going to change in his body and it's perfectly fine. You're fine. So these girls that you see walk up and down this place or you see on TV or anything like that, they don't mean anything to you right now, son. But basically, the soft porn that's on television or what you see as pornography when you walk or, or just drive through campus, um, it's, this doesn't bother you yet. But your body's going to change, and one day this is going to affect you. But I want you to be aware, buddy, that there's nothing wrong with you, that your body responds to this. But what you do with this temptation is up to you. You know what I mean? God created you, son, to procreate. God made you for sex. But people are like, oh. <gasps> Don't talk about sex, baby. Don't talk. Don't talk about sex because it's terrible. That's a lie. It's wonderful. Okay. So if anybody says anything different, we'll punch them in the face. All right? Because I feel really <laughs> strong about that. Just kidding. But for real, it's important that we uh, we understand that this is something that that is so big, that is so that is <sighs> it's it's humongous. The porn addiction stuff, bigger than any other sexual problem. I feel uh pornography and what it does to us. All right. You want to say something cuz I think you had something too.
2: Yeah, um just I uh, I've had Christians argue to me that, you know, pornography is okay and I've had Christians argue to me that pornography isn't okay and so you know, is it I've had people argue to me that, "Oh yeah, well, I I use pornography to not give into other temptations." Um mm. I I use it to grow spiritually. And that makes sense. for a while, <laughs> for, for a while, I was like, oh, I, I guess, like, yeah, I guess that could make sense. But it, it just doesn't work like that. And I didn't want to add too much. Um, what Justin said was really good. Just in thinking about pornography, pornography, it, so what your body does when, when we look at pornography is it releases two chemicals. And these, uh, one is oxytocin and the other one is um, oxytocin and the other one is vasopressin and these are two chemicals that your body re- does to like basically reward you for this experience but they're also known within the scientific community as the bonding agents within your body because they bond you really for life to the thing that you are like getting into or or who it is you're getting into through whatever media, media you're using and so when you look at that when you look at it that way like it's like I look I think about my wife Katie and it's it really is like I am committing adultery it's not like mm-hmm. oh yeah I'm just I'm just doing this thing but it's like it's not real or it's virtual yeah. it, it really is like that that's why the bible says what it says where and I think Justin's going to read it in a few minutes but um a few other scriptures is uh on just the bible kind of talking about this is Genesis 2, 220 Genesis two twenty four. therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Hold fast to his wife or a woman, hold fast to her husband that they would be like the apple of your eye. They would be your mm. greatest desire. And then Job 31, 1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a, wo- a young woman. Mm. I made a covenant with my eyes because like the Bible knows like that's why it's, it's it really is, you could find tons and tons of Scripture on our hearts being tied yeah. to the things that, like Eric and Justin said, once we give in to that temptation and what yeah. it does to our hearts and how it unites us with them and how hard it is to break that bond. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that was all I wanted to add on that. Yeah, I think being
0: sure and understanding, um, Paul's speaking to this in Romans and Corinthians the people complex and problem that we've had since the beginning. These are not new problems. You know what I mean? And I feel like we capitalize as a church on major, quote-unquote, sin, sexual sin issues versus all of them being the same weight, number one, because God's scales are way different than yours, which means it all weighs the same. Sin is sin. It's anything that separates you from him is sin, okay? Uh, because you've also been set apart for his works. But it's an understanding, like Paul's speaking even in Romans 6, that you were slaves to impurity and lawlessness. But now you're a slave to righteousness. And the thing is, he's talking about how this stuff will enslave you. It will. You will be a slave to sexual sin and sexual addiction and sexual impurity. It, it enslaves you like none other. Why, though? Because it's so dang good. It makes sense. Why wouldn't the enemy attack the one thing that God gave us? That's absolutely amazing. That's why we struggle like we do, because this was God's idea. So just, you know it's, it's addictive, it's destructive, what it does to you. You guys know this as far as, if you, if you know of someone in your mind, again, that you have in your mind's eye um, that has been through this, but there's steps to victory. That's what's so important, that you understand that there's a way out. No temptation has seized you, has overtaken you beyond what is common to man, okay? It's common but he always provides a way out. Paul's speaking in Corinthians there as well. He always provides a way out. So it's an understanding that you confess your sin to God. You know, it's so important. 1 John 1, 9, confess those sins, okay? But then ask God to cleanse you, to renew you, to transform your mind. You see that Romans 12. And then ask him also to fill your mind, to refill it with things that are good, pleasurable, lovely. You see what I mean? That are filled with joy. Philippians 4, 8, Paul's speaking. Again, Paul spoke to cultural issues with the heart of God, Okay. Uh, But then learn to possess your body in holiness, 1 Thessalonians 4, that your body, think about it, your body is God's for his work. How can you do that if you have STDs that are killing you? You see what I mean by this? We don't connect the dots in the natural as to what can happen. How can you do this if, if your, your opportunities may have been cut short by, by a pregnancy when you're in a teenager? You see what I mean by this? This is the things that we have to think about in the practical, but God wants you to preserve your body for him and his work. The proper meaning of sex. Understand that and rely on your spouse alone to meet that need. 1 Corinthians 7 Listen, your spouse will never be able to fulfill you if you live in a fantasy world of pornography. It's all fake. They paid good money for those. You know what I'm saying by this? It's not real life. My wife's body three kids later is the prettiest thing I've ever seen because I don't taint it with anything else. Have I struggled when I grew up? Absolute. Exposed to pornography at 10 years old and it was encouraged. First like graphic film, about 12 years old at my buddy's house when his parents weren't home. Did it wreck me? Then, yes. Now, no. But it was funny because I watched the enemy say that this is how I will take him out if I can. Because the enemy saw, remember you know this, that, that, that we have plans that God has given us. He's going to be 37 years old. There's going to be this church called The Foundry that's going to be in Morgantown where he's going to be able to speak about real things. If I mess him up now, he won't get there. But God's plans are better, Okay. So realize that when you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5. Take practical steps. If you've got to kill Facebook in your life to stop looking at porn, get rid of it. If you've got to get rid of your phone and, and all of the stuff that it takes, take practical steps.
1: All right? That's the key. All right. Hashtag good. church. Yeah, good job, Justin. All right. Uh, moving on to the second question, and it's in regard to gender. How do we how do we respond to this gender rev- revolution practically jordan i think you
0: yeah remember you started better with that
2: yeah um is this a struggle it's you know we're talking about culture this is within the culture series and and just looking at different types of culture there's a, there's really three types of culture that you can have uh there's a there 's a theonomous culture, which is one where god or or, or religion is basically in everyone 's heart in a way where that 's the founding basis, uh, like with our early early fathers um for American stuff, you know they said we hold these truths to be self evident you know and they built this constitution based on understandings that this natural law that everyone agreed upon we don 't really agree upon the natural law today but but back then they did. And that was like the framework that they were working from. And, and then you have another type of culture which is a heteronymous culture. And you know, hetero meaning other, and then nomus is, is law. And so it's a culture based where the law is made by something outside yourself. So you have basically like a small group of people up top who say, oh yeah, this is, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Uh, North Korea today is an example of a heteronymous culture. Um, and Islam, is certain Islamic states like true Islamic states like uh, Saudi Arabia and ir- Iran they have uh, sheikhs or ayatollahs like these, these important individuals at the top of their culture who say everything that they can and can't do they say what you can't eat they say what you can't eat they say who you can be seen with they say who you can't be seen with they say all the different things regarding what everybody else does now I think we would all be in agreement that neither one of those cultures are the cultures that we live in within America so, what culture do we live in? In America, we live in an autonomous culture. In Western society, this is this is this is the thing. This is the thing for us, which is auto, meaning the self decides. So, I decide my own prerogra- prerogatives within myself, and then you do that for yourself. Would everyone be in agreement that that's the culture that we live in? So, if we're in agreement over that, then what happens when I say to someone, "Hey"? Personally, this is what I believe. And then when I say what I believe and they don't agree with what I believe, is it okay for them to step in and say, hold on, hold on. This is no longer an autonomous culture. You are no longer free to decide what you believe. Now I will tell you what you believe because, because I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. That's what we're facing right now. That's, that's, that's the culture that we live in where it is an autonomous culture and everyone's in agreement on that for the most part until we disagree Mm-hmm. and then certain people try to step in and say, hold on, this is what you can believe. This is what you can't believe. I would dictate that for you. And so it's, it's, a, it's a sociological, it's a struggle. Yeah. And so what are, we, what are we supposed to do with that? And personally, we have to, as Christians, look at this theologically first. That's what the Bible calls us to, yeah. theologically first, because what we have done as Christians is we have decided that, you know what, God, I'm gonna come under your kingdom and under your reign, and I'm gonna trust Christ and His kingdom over my own preferences. And so I frame I frame what I think based on that, theologically first, not experientially, not emotionally, not what works practically in our culture, but theologically first. That's what we're called to. And it's a struggle because, well, today basically this is what we hear all the time hold on if you disagree with me then you're rejecting me and you therefore don't love me I, we hear that all the time but in the same way like i love my daughter zoe but i don't i don't agree with everything that she does yeah i just don't like, the other day we we have a, we have another daughter now and her name is grace and she's about 2 months old and the other day she uh <laughs> zoe kicked her <laughs> and so it's like, well, hold on. I could not check her and say like, oh, that's okay because I don't want to disagree. I don't want you to think that I'm disagreeing with you, so I'll just let that pass. Like, no, I would be an awful father if you all saw that happen. And no. I was just like, oh, I don't want to offend her. And so, you know, <laughs> she's, she's, just, she's just doing her, you know. Like I, that, that, I'm w- proud that, of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, she's and, a kicker. And <laughs> so, like, it, it it can't work like that. And so, like, that, that, is, that, is, that is what we're up against. But. We have to we have to look at it theologically first. Yeah. And as a believer, that's what you want to bring to the table, which means you have to know the
0: word. Which means you have to have a devotional life, which means you have to study it to show yourself approved, you know, that you have to do these things because otherwise you'll fall into the well so and so would be hurt by this if I said this. Well, what does the word of God say? Do you take it as the moral compass for your life? Or is it just an arbitrary collection of, of stories from the past. No. There were people then that struggled with the same things as we do now. So I think that's... Did you have something else?
2: The uh, Were we going to say the discipleship one or do you want me to say it now?
1: You can say it now. You okay.
2: So another, another question we, have, we had uh, with this was, so how do you disciple people in this um, gender revolution? And that... Th- this is always a funny topic, just all of what we're talking about today, because you're really never going to please either side. Because mm. as Christians, we're really called to kind of be in this tension where yeah. we have these convictions that we stand by, but we're also not meant to, like, we don't go and force the world. Like, we don't go and turn this into a heteronymous culture, in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. we're we're called to love. And so, like, what does discipleship look like? Well, it looks like me me loving you, me inviting you into my life, me engaging you. Yeah. And, and yes, I... I at certain times, I will say, like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't agree with this, you know. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to, like, start treating you differently. Yeah. And we, um, you know, we, we say it as, like, legalism is when you try to be the Holy Spirit for other people. Yep. Yeah. And you try to force them into changing. You try to force them into what they should and shouldn't do. And one of my favorite stories about this is uh, is in John, in the book of John, there's a woman caught in adultery. And it's, it's such a ridiculous situation, because, you know, it's basically, they have a huge festival, festival going on, and hundreds of thousands of people have come into this one area, and it's basically like everybody's camping out. It's like a big camp out. Like Woodstock. Yeah, Woodstock. Yeah, yeah great I was, example. I was there. A very good. <laughs> 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 I didn't know you were that old. Oh, the later one, the 2000s. Oh, that one. Yeah, 90s, I forgot about that actually, one. Actually, I think it was 90s. They didn't, they didn't have the right band, set, so I, I wasn't interested. But... Um, <laughs> But no, you, you think about this whole situation. And so they catch this woman in adultery. They bring her in and, you know, we don't know where the man is. They couldn't catch him. it was really fast. But, you know, the, so we have this woman caught in adultery and she's sitting there. And then the other Pharisees are like, they're like wanting to judge her in that moment. And then Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then it said from the oldest to the youngest, they began to walk out. Because they knew that they had sin in their lives. They knew that they, they couldn't. They, they knew they, they, they couldn't cast any stones. And it says specifically that their consciences, that they were convicted by their consciences. And every major change that I have had in my life, and as I've seen other Christians, it's the same thing. They didn't change because someone came into their life and said, you need to stop doing this today. Mm-hmm. Every real change came, came because the Holy Spirit spoke to their consciences and the Holy Spirit forced that out. Yeah. And it was through relationship with Jesus that that came along over time. But that's why none of us, like, that's why nobody figures it all out at the beginning. Because the Spirit's working in our lives. And over time, more and more and more becomes clear to us. Yeah. And so, like, when it comes to discipling someone, we invite them into, their, into our lives. We try to get them around Jesus. We, we make him a big deal. And we try to get them in the Word. And the Word will get When they're in His Word, Mm -hmm. He will get certain things out of their lives, kind of like our body. And our body pushes out a thorn that enters in. He will force things out the closer they get to Him. But but it's legalism when we try to go and say you have to change. Telling you to. Mm -hmm. I hope that makes sense. That's good. Good stuff. Good stuff, Jordan. Uh, I'm going to move on to
1: the next topic, which is marriage and there's two questions here and I think they kind of come together as, as you guys are going to recap on them and, and answer them. Why do people not see the binding and serious nature of marriage is the first question. And the second question, how did the view of marriage change? And I think that ties into the, to the first there. Justin, can you comment on that?
0: Yeah. Why do, not, why do people not see the binding and serious nature of marriage? Um, because mostly in Jordan, you, you might talk about this a little bit more, remember? I think you did in a good way in that way. Um, that uh, they, they look at it as a contract versus a covenant. I didn't say this in first service, but I think this is even better in this way. They look at marriage as, as, as a contract in that, okay, here's the terms that I'm going to sign to. Here's my prenup. I want to make sure I get the Bentley after we're done and also half of the house, at least the value. Uh, you can keep the couch. You know what I mean? Like It's like, well, let's, let's come to terms on this beforehand. But marriage is a covenant before God. Jordan talked about it earlier. If you've ever read the beginning of the Bible, and you probably do every time you start your one-year reading plan, you always get through Genesis <laughs> 1 and 2. You see, you see, you're like, I've read it 47 times. <laughs> um, you see God's idea for marriage, right? You see God's idea where he, he made this man and he saw like, man, I could totally do better. And he made a woman, Okay. <laughs> But he made this woman out of this man, took a bone. Yeah, whoa, man. Whoa, man, she's hot. Took the bone out, and then from that created her. And then all of a sudden, he's like, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's how I read it, at least. So Adam was pumped. He said, God made me a suitable helper. And God, we know this, if you're married and you have a wife, she's a way better helper than another dude is, okay? God made a woman for him. As a suitable helper, for reals, made a woman and said that "You guys are one piece, you are. you are attached like flesh together." And that's why we leave in and, and I always say this in, in marital counts and premarital and sometimes post that you're supposed to leave in cleave. You remember that? You became one flesh in this. And this is why people don't do this from the start so that when they. Because they've given their flesh to other people as well. They're connected to so many others that they are not truly connected to this person. Therefore, that if our contract is over, sign on the dotted line, no harm, no foul, go live on with your life. But if you are connected and out of that connection, life comes as well, which is called children. Okay, another one of God's ideas when we come together. that, That also you can see that when anything breaks apart and it's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, something is going to get ripped and broken and hurt in the process. So we took it, met marriage that was this beautiful covenant before God, and Jordan will talk about that more, and turned it into a contract with some assets and liabilities called children and finances and a home. You know what I'm saying by that? So I think that's part of it. It's changed over time because we're like, remember, it's not a God thing. It's just a put-it-on-paper thing. Now you go on that part, remember.
2: You're kinda, you're kinda, oh, dude, you nailed it. Shut the, it. Do that last time. Uh, no, I'm... I, I, that was that was a better way of putting, saying what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, the the Bible just says that we are as Christians, we are called that. This is sacred. Yeah, it just is. And and whether whether our society sees it as that or whether we see it when we first like step into a relationship with Jesus or not, like there are certain things in the Bible that are just sacred, mm-hmm. and, and and this this word is sacred. You know, uh, ethnicities. The, the Bible makes it clear that they are sacred. Gender, gender is sacred, sacred. And, mm-hmm. and so is marriage. And um, I didn't say this earlier, but, but one thing is, um, this is really is so much of a, I'm glad you said what you said, because you, you said what play. I was going to say, but you said it better, so Stop. I can say some other stuff. do it. Uh, the, it really did. But, uh, yeah, it's a struggle in our culture over sexuality and desacralizing sec- sexuality. So that by, by, de- by, by making it non-sacred. Making it non-sacred. There we go. He I, fin- I finished your like sentences. <laughs> by making it non-sacred, we have, we have tried to make it so that, and Justin was going to say a little bit about this, where we try to separate, you know, genders and, and then the sexual expression. But in the Bible... The procreative, consummative relationship between a man and a woman Good is what is deemed sacred. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is really this is really hard to like accept because mm-hmm. it's it's offensive to some and it's it's it just seems like <laughs> cold and but but at the same time like the Bible makes it clear that we can disagree with certain things, and we can choose to act opposite of what God says is best. We can choose to do that. All throughout the Bible, it's clear. God makes it clear that you have options. You cannot do what I say. But there's one thing that you can't escape. There's one thing that I can't escape, and this is, this is terrifying. We can't escape the outcomes. Yeah. The outcomes will always be the same because God's laws are a description of reality. And no matter what I think about homosexuality no matter what I think about transgender, no matter what I think about, like, other, other, other pictures of marriage, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, but what the Bible shows us and what reality shows us is that it's just not the same. And it, and it is... The outcome of it, like... Like, we don't, we don't, we don't like to hear this. This is, this is just how it plays out, but we don't like to hear it, but... A relationship between a woman and a woman is never going to produce a child in itself. You can do certain things to go and have children outside of that, but, but by itself, it, it just doesn't work because like, it, it wasn't made for that. Mm. And, and this isn't like me trying to be like, I'm not trying to be offensive at all. I'm just, I'm just being honest. to like this this is what we have, the outcomes. And then the Bible tells us that there are even more significant outcomes than just what we can see in the natural between yeah. cro- procreation. We can choose different things, but but in the end, the outcomes, the outcomes are determined, and they're significant, and, and God loves us, and, and but we do have to stand before Him one day, and we have to talk with Him through these things, the mm-hmm. certain decisions that we've made in our lives and the outcomes that those decisions bring. I hope that makes sense, yeah. but it is a struggle over sacredness mm-hmm. and The Bible says that just because we want to desacralize uh, the sexual relationships and just make them where, oh yeah, I just choose to have sex, like, it is much deeper than just choosing to have sex with someone. In fact, many of us know this, like, many of us know that as much as we try to make it where it's not sacred, our hearts seem to end up tied to that other person in a way that's terrifying. Yeah. And we, and we can't escape that. Our consciences, they, they don't lie to us. We know. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. This, that, was, that was heavy. Oh, man, Justin, lift us up.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you raised me up.
0: But it's so true, Jordan. The thing is, we, we have to make sure that Scripture is our infallible guide, 2 Timothy three sixteen, but also that Second Timothy 4, 3, that when our itching ears want to hear this, we still listen to truth. Don't surround yourself with people that are just going to support your argument. I don't do that as a pastor, meaning like when we create things, I'm like, where's the problems with this? Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me what we can do better. You know what I'm saying? So even when you struggle with things like this and understanding gender, sexuality, homosexuality, because we're, 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 we're delving into the next and last part of this, um, uh, seek to con- consult the word of God first, the spoken word of God, and then also speak, uh, seek to hear the truth like Katie said last week, you know what I mean? Um, that if, if the street preacher is offending you, maybe there's some truth in it. A little synopsis of that, a paraphrased version. So, yeah, I think it's important. I got a ton. If y'all want notes after this, please tell me. I'll email them to you because there's a ton of them. Only 13 pages. It, it won't be it won't I be didn't long. study at yeah, all. Lying,
2: I, I didn't look at this at all. I, I would also like to add... Uh, you know, this is, we really are like coming, if we just see this as we're coming under someone else's kingdom. And when you come under someone else's kingdom, I am a servant in the kingdom of Christ. So that means that I don't get to write the laws. I, I, I go and I trust what he has said. And, and every Christian, all of us, me many times, because if I could rewrite this, I would. Because it's not convenient. <laughs> and it doesn't make you very popular. <laughs> so true. but true. But in that's saying that, um, we all have to ask ourselves this question. Am I going to trust the word of God even when I disagree with some parts of it? Am I going to trust this king instead of that's me good, being dude. king? Am I going to trust what he says about reality over what I think of reality is? And that's really what it means to become a Christian. But Jesus tells us that when we trust him, that is where we find real life, yeah. and that is where everybody else finds life around us as well. And so, how to work out
1: trust went, in yourself?
2: Pretty good. <laughs> it went terrible. Precisely. <laughs> it <looked> so bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Got? Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Uh, moving on to the next topic: uh, same-sex marriage, marriage equality. Uh, and the question is: is is it a disagreement with same-sex marriage, marriage equality, bigoted or contrary to love?
0: You, already, you spoke of this, Jordan, already, and you guys probably already got the gist of this. It's disagreement with same-sex marriage, marriage equality, bigoted, and contrary to love. So I don't agree with you, and I'm a bigot. You don't agree with me, and you're right. Where's the... You know what I'm saying by that? It's an understanding that disagreement with same-sex marriage, if you feel that scripturally as a believer, you're living out your faith. Because you believe, which that's, that's all it takes to be saved is to believe. You realize that, that you've placed your faith and trust in the king of this kingdom that Jordan's talking of, that, that you believe that according to his mandates of scripture. So therefore, you're just living according to what you believe and what you're even learning as you're going along and not have it all figured out and would take out certain things that just are uncomfortable and not fun to talk about, but you don't. You, you, you try to live by it. So I don't, I don't think that that's fair. And <laughs> is life fair? No. But... You know what I'm saying by this? Someone, if you sit across the table from someone, might be yourself in the mirror, again, say, just because, you know, uh, I don't agree with you doesn't mean that I don't love you. Don't tell me, don't you dare tell me that I don't love you because I know who I love. Yeah. Right? Don't you dare. Uh, you're, you're making me mad now, kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. I love you. You don't, I pray for you. I, I speak your name before God, the one I believe can change anything. You know, that can that can part seas, that can bring limbs back, that can do this is the God I serve, okay? This is what I read that happened historically speaking. I'm the number one bestseller of all time, the Bible. So, you know what I'm saying by this? I think it's just like putting that in the context and say, you know what, actually, you're bigoting me in this way um, because you're not allowing me to, to live
1: out my faith. Hmm. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. So. And uh, the next question, and I think this is uh, quite re- relevant because. I think in the current situation and current culture, we all know someone or have friends that are in this situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the question is, if a relative or friend is getting married and the ceremony is for a gay couple, knowing that this is contrary to the word of God, as a Christian, do you attend the ceremony and reception? Even though they know where you stand on the issue, their hearts would be deeply hurt if you did not attend. Justin?
0: Yeah, I spoke to this first service. I'm going to speak to it as briefly as possible. Um, Number one, spoken it to you. As knowing it is contrary to the Word of God, obviously you have a conviction about this because the Word has spoken it to you. God's spoken it to you. Number one, okay? So listen to what God speaks to you, okay? Number two, seek to understand others in that. I have a friend um, who was invited to a same-sex marriage. And um, I was able to walk with this friend through the process on the outside, watching how this friend responded to this situation, because I have never been touched by this in this way. It's never been at my front door. It's never come across my desk. And that, hey, Reverend Justin Myers, you're invited to a gay wedding. Do you want to come? It's going to be great. It's going to be a festival of friends. Like, that's never come across my desk yet. But I watched this person and how they responded, okay? Okay. And I watched how they did not want to go and were convicted about it. But this person who, who the wedding was for was close to them. And they decided to go. And the reason why they went was so that they could be there for this person after the fact. Meaning this person and that marriage dissolved. And this person who went to the wedding, I'm being very vague on purpose. This person who went to the wedding was there for that person after the fact when things fell apart. And the thing is for us a lot of times we're just catching the pieces versus putting pieces together. And if we if we you know maybe and you're going to have to work this out. This is up to you because this is your life and you hold your convictions. Okay? It has not come across my desk yet how will I respond? I don't know in this way because this is this it depends because that person it was really a different situation. But for you, will you journey with someone through these struggles? Is the question. That's that's the question. I'm not, I'm not permitting you or denying that you should go to, to a gay wedding at all. You're not celebrating this contractual agreement with the courthouse because you believe in the covenant of marriage that's depicted in God's word as a believer. Does that make sense? So it's not like you're at a celebration, you know what I mean? You're, you're, at, you're in a, a conundrum of life because you really want to support people through the hardest things of their lives, but you don't want to necessarily be there. That's the hard part. You see what I'm saying? So understanding and trying to journey with people as much as possible through difficult situations is key, you know? Uh, And we're trying to live scripturally as much as we can. Remember, that is the operational base of our lives, scripture still. It's not dead and gone. It's still alive and well, okay? Jesus lives on in us through his spirit. So I think it's important that we come from that perspective. Jordan, do you have
1: anything to add?
2: No. no um, yeah, I guess me and Justin have talked about this uh, a few times. And, I mean, we've, this, is, this is basically him saying this as well. Uh, I, it, one, one struggle we have with this whole thing, and Justin said it earlier, is that if we raise, you know, a sin above others and mm-hmm. say that's more of a sin or less of a sin, and so... How I would approach this, or we both said how we would approach this is like if I knew someone was, if I had a friend who come to their wedding. I I've have had friends who are alcoholics, and they get married, and they ask me to come to their wedding, and I I go to their wedding. I still pray for them. I, you know, like if they ever like have a serious conversation with me and want to know what I think about the alcoholism of like it really needs to stop now. It's gonna it's gonna be destructive for your family and for mm-hmm. your for your kids and stuff, but. But at the same time, I'm, there's no reason, I, I see no reason why I wouldn't go to their wedding. Because like Justin said, like you're not celebrating the, the marriage as much as you're celebrating the person. And we're, we're in the business of people and, and mm-hmm. fighting for people. And so, personally, I feel like I could support someone while not agreeing with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, every decision that they make in their life, which... I don't know if I've ever known a new one that I've agreed with every decision they've made in their lives. (laughs) I haven't agreed with all my decisions.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's it's uncharted territory. And the thing is, I think you tread very lightly, meaning that go right to the word and say, Holy Spirit, convict me of, of, of what I need to do right now. Because Holy Spirit's convictions stick. Man's influence doesn't. Y'all can hear me even speak the word every Sunday, but if it's not the Holy Spirit speaking through me into you, it's not going to stick. It's just some funny guys sharing some stories. You know what I mean? So when it comes to these hard decisions that you have to make for yourself, because I'm not going to be with you every time, because we believe in the priesthood of believers, which means you are supposed to govern yourself in this way with the Lord's insight that you don't have to ask me about every single decision in your life, that you should be reading the word in such a way that you know it, and the Holy Spirit's alive and well in you and speaks to you. I'm not your daddy. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, y'all have to have that. That's, that's growth. That's discipleship. But, you know, we're not condoning. And it's like, it's, it's you meaning that you have to work this out and work with folks along the way, okay? Does that sound good? This is the beginning and maybe the middle. Matt and co, you guys can make your way up. This is the beginning and maybe the middle of some conversations that we need to have. And it's not done here. So if you want to talk more and have more questions and need prayer even, uh, we're going to be here as we continue to worship just a little bit more. But make sure we're, we're, we're having the right heart towards folks because you will miss a divine opportunity to speak the word in due season in someone's life. A divine opportunity to speak truth because you may be more concerned about your feelings or your fears more than being a, an instrument of the Lord, okay? So do me a favor. Stand with me this morning. We're going to conclude with a, with a time of worship, and I believe that uh, this might be the end of a healing process for some today, but also maybe even, even the beginning because you've struggled. You felt like the Holy Spirit put his finger on some stuff in your life when we've talked today or maybe even last week. You know what I mean? Listen, racism doesn't, uh, does not belong in the kingdom of God. Neither does homophobia. Are you with me? You know, that does not belong in the kingdom of God. Though you may not agree with things or understand things, that doesn't mean you don't talk about it, and especially that you don't listen about it, meaning you're asking the right questions and listening to folks, okay? You know, if you have any questions or want to talk any more with us, please do. We want to make sure that we're opening lines of communication, just like I do with my 10-year-old son. Before this is a struggle, buddy, let's talk about porn, because I don't want it to ever be one. Let's talk about God's idea and how he's going to bring you someone like your mama, like he did for me. Keep yourself pure, son, because I don't want you to be attached to anybody else. I want you to be attached to your wife. You don't have to know anybody else. All you have to know is your wife, bud. It's beautiful. It's great. You can do this. All right? I'm with you. I'll walk with you. Ask me anything. When you do that, when we do this with folks, we open up communication, we will be able to walk through anything together and we'll make it. All right? We can trust him. He's trustworthy. So I'm just going to pray. We're going to sing as a concluding time. And just allow God's God's spirit to finish a work on you, all right? And if you want to pray for anything, we'll be up here with you as well, okay? All right, let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is alive and well. God, that, that family talk like this is not remotely awkward but exciting. Why? Because we love each other so much. And because we love you, we can talk about anything. And that we can sit at the table with one another and say, this is where I'm struggling today. And that we can say, well, let's see what the word has to say. And then let me share my heart with you. And then let's walk together. God, thank you for creating this church. God, this was your idea. Not just the foundry, but the foundry family that's in it to change culture for you. God, we know why your people, the church, has been under attack since the beginning of time because this was your idea. You said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates are trying. But we're going to keep going. We're not going to back down and be afraid of cultural issues. We're going to sit across the table from people that we don't understand and may not even like and may be afraid of to seek to understand this so they can see, God, your loving heart that's within us. What a privilege and honor to live right now in history. Thank you, Lord. Help us to understand, to number our days, the brevity of our days. Lord, help the work of our hands so that we can be your church in a better way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much, and we have an amazing opportunity to worship you.